This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hello there. I'm Stephen Scott, blind tech user and host of Double Tap Canada on AMI Audio. Does the prospect of exciting new assistive tech keep you up at night? Oh, good. It's not just me then. Double Tap Canada might just be the show for you. Check us out on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes the big chance. The shot is. Is this the tiger? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Brock Richardson. Welcome to another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And you know, sometimes on Friday, I get a little extra pep in my voice because we really are going to bring you a really good show today as uh, we look forward to that. But before we tell you what's coming up, joining me is Claire Buchanan. Claire, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Brock. I uh, took the opportunity to get out of city for the for the night and tomorrow, so glad to uh, be up north a little bit today. Ah, uh, yes. Are you at a cottage or an undisclosed location, as Claire's hiding? <laughs> yeah, I I will not disclose. <laughs> Fair enough. She's incognito. Also joining us is uh, Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I am good. Nothing quite as exciting as being incognito to report today, but I was enjoying a rather exciting pitcher's duel between the Marlins and Cubs just before we came on. So it's uh, still tied at zero, and we'll see what it's at when the show finishes up. Full disclosure, it's uh, minimized on my computer screen, so I'll be checking during the, <laughs> the commercial break uh, as we go through. But a uh, very good game going on there for sure. Uh, last week's Twitter poll question was, um, do you agree with Nick Nurse and his $8 million contract extension? You know what? We had a unanimous vote. 100% of you said yes. Claire, we agree on this, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we don't want to see any other coach in Toronto other than uh, Nick Nurse behind the bench. So, um, yeah, glad to have him here for a few a few more years. Yeah, this week's Twitter poll question is, even though the Toronto Blue Jays were eliminated in the first round, would you consider this season a success? Your options are yes or no. And before we get into our headlines, we have a little bit of news to pass your way. I will let Brett Wills tell you about it on voicemail. Hey guys, it's Brett Wills calling. I guess this is my opportunity to tell you that I will not be moving forward with the neutral zone, at least on a temporary basis. I've decided to take a leave of absence. I'm extremely grateful for AMI-audio. I'm extremely grateful for Andy Frank, and I'm extremely grateful for who I consider our fearless leader, Brock Richardson. I want to thank Cameron Jenkins, who I was lucky enough to go to battle with week in and week out. I want to thank Josh Watson for continuing to encourage me to do what I want to do in my personal life, but to never shy away from a good argument and to make sure I know my stuff. I also want to thank Claire Buchanan 
she is very new to our program, but she's been nothing short of amazing. Guys, thanks so much for allowing me to be part of the Neutral Zone, and thank you for allowing me to be part of the AMI audio family. I love all of you. I look forward to seeing you down the road, and thank you so much to our audience. Stay strong, and we'll see you around the corner. Guys, quick comments. Josh, start with you. I am sorry to see Brett step away, but I understand his reasons for doing so. He's a busy guy, and I know this isn't goodbye. It's just see you later. So we'll see him again soon. Claire? Yeah, like Josh said, um, I don't think this is the last time we'll be hearing from him, and just proud of uh, what he's doing for himself outside of uh, sports and, and broadcasting. So he's... He's doing really well. Yeah, I'm really proud of him. Uh, Brett, best uh, wishes, of course, and uh, the door is always open and down the line. And you're going to hear from Brett uh, because we're going to bring him on every once in a while to join us uh, with our mainstream sports discussion. So this is not the last you're going to hear from Brett. But uh, for now, it's uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. And thank you for everything you've done with this program up to now. Now it's time to get into this week's headlines. The Stanley Cup has been awarded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here's how it sounded from a Tampa Bay Lightning broadcast perspective. You know, a lot of guys in this in this league or in this business don't have that opportunity to, to feel this pressure. And, you know, we had a lot of fun with it. So it was great. But uh, other than that, you know, there's nothing positive you're going to really take from the bubble life. Victor Hedman wins the Conn Smith Trophy as the playoff MVP for the 2019-2020 playoffs. Victor Hedman has been with the Lightning since 2009, and he just lit it up being on the ice for over 26 minutes averaging, and he was on the ice for actually 24 of those goals in the playoffs, so huge presence there. Los Angeles Clippers have fired their coach, Doc Rivers, Mike Gracia and the Clippers organization explain why in the following clip. After a disappointing playoff loss in the NBA Western Conference semifinals, Doc Rivers will not be back as coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. In a statement, Clippers chairman Steve Ballmer said, Rivers laid the foundation for this franchise. Rivers coached the Clippers for seven seasons, posting a 356 and 208 record. But the franchise has never made it to the Western Conference Finals. Two weeks ago, the Clippers blew a 3-1 series lead against the Denver Nuggets and lost the conference semifinals in seven games. I'm Mike Rossio. The owner of the Clippers, you know, had tremendous expectations, as did Doc Rivers and, and many around the NBA who considered the Clippers a championship favorite. And the way that they went out this year, losing in the conference semifinals, blowing a 3-1 lead to Denver, ultimately changes were going to come, are going to come to this Clippers organization. This isn't a big surprise to me. I mean, they had... Paul George and Kawhi Leonard joined the team. There were big expectations, and they didn't meet them. The Toronto Blue Jays were eliminated after a, in the first round against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. They only scored a combined three runs. This is simply not going to get it done. However, this was a success for the Toronto Blue Jays, in my opinion, because they are a young team, and they are now on notice with the rest of the league. 
The NBA Finals are underway. The Lakers had a dominating for- performance in Game One against the Heat. I I see this as a short series, guys. Miami got some big blows and in injuries, and uh, the Lakers. I think the Lakers going to take this one easily. And those are your headlines for this week. And uh, yes, Claire, I agree with you. The Lakers are going to take this series very easily. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Simone Richard from New Brunswick Para Sports. He's going to feature three different sports that we're going to talk about that are going to be resuming in the near future. Stay with us. You're listening to The Neutral Zone. We will be right back. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter conversation with Brett Wills from the Neutral Zone? Find him at Neutral Zone Brett. Swinging a chopper to second base right at CP Buchanan 13. Claire picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this organ interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. You're tuned in, listening on a Friday, and we're just getting your show going. I'm joined by Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. And joining us now is Simone Richard of Parasports New Brunswick, the coordinator over there. Simone, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much for having me today. How are you guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, so today we wanted to focus on three specific sports. Uh, let's get started with goalball. For those of that don't know about the sport or how it works, give us a little rundown about how it, how it works. Yeah, for sure. Uh, goalball is a very, very unique sport, and especially the, the Paris sport uh, world. Um, it's the only sport uh, that has been created for blind and visually impaired athletes um, that is in, currently in the Paralympic Games um, that's been really created and hasn't really been adapted from another sport. If you think of all the other sports that are there for visual, blind and visually impaired, let's say, they've all been adapted, right? So that's the first thing. Um, you know, uh, it's played three-on-three three, um, on a volleyball court. Uh, the size, same size as a volleyball court in a gym is the size of the court is 18 meters long by nine meters wide. Um, each net at the at each end of the court is the width of the court, so it's nine meters wide on each side. Um, all the lines on the floor are tactile as well, so you can kind of figure out where you are on the court, where you want to be, where you want to go on the court, all of that. Um, the game is really played in two halves of 12 minutes each, uh, with a half time of three minutes in between uh, the two halves, and it's you know played 
um, like that, that two teams at halftime switch sides so that each each team has uh, each net that they can play with. Um, so they, really the, the goal of the game for goalball is that, you know, you have to throw a ball or roll a ball, a ball um, on the floor and pass the other team and across their goal line to try to score. Now, the ball is um, about the same size as a basketball, um, and it weighs about three pounds, right? So it's it's a little heavier than a basketball. It's it's fast. It's a fast sport. Um, the players internationally, they can throw it 70, 80 kilometers an hour. Uh, so it's a very, very fast sport. Um, the other cool thing about it is that all the players, like I said, it's tactile on the floor, and the ball also has bells in it. And all the players are blindfolded, so that's the other cool part. Um, and since all the players are blindfolded, they have to, you know, hear the ball to tell where it is on the court. Um, the crowd needs to be completely silenced during the game. If not, the players won't be able to hear it. So it's a very, very neat sport. Um, it's it's a sport that's really close to my heart. And uh, since I I played in the national team for for many years and. Um, you know, we're we're really committed here in New Brunswick to um, try to get, you know, get that sport growing here. And we're excited about the, the developments that happened last year with a couple new programs that we have going on. And this year, hopefully, we can expand it to a new region. So it's a very, very cool sport. And, you know, we want to encourage everybody um, to just come out and play and, you know, participate and get involved either coaching or volunteer and all that. So, yeah, it's a very, very cool sport. Another of the sports that we wanted to talk with you about today was the sport of rugby. For those listeners who aren't familiar with rugby, can you give us an idea of how that one works? Uh, so rugby, I mean, rugby is another cool one. It's, it's, uh, it's played uh, four and four. Um, on it, it's really in the gym again. It's uh, played on a gym the same size as a basketball court. This one, um, the players are classed um, from zero point five to three point five for different class of uh, abilities. Um, the higher pointers are usually the, those are the ones that have more um, mobility on the court. Um, and the ones that have um, a lower uh, a lower point, um, they have uh, a higher level of disability. Um, so it's it's a very cool sport um, in that aspect. Um, the goal of the game really it's played with um, a ball that's kind of similar to a volleyball ball. Um, it, it the goal of the game is to carry that ball across an opponent's goal line, right? So it's almost like in football where you have to get across the line to score a touchdown. Um, it's a little bit similar, except you're in a wheelchair. You have to really plow your way through the opponent and, and get across that line to score. Um, the game is um, played in four quarters of eight minutes each. Um, you have to pass the ball or bounce the ball every 10, every 10 seconds. Um, if not, it's, it's considered as a travel, right? Um, you also have to cross the center line um, with your team by passing the ball by 
um, rolling by really like pushing your chair and trying to get across that center line within 12 seconds. And then finally, you have to score within 40 seconds. Uh, so you have to be quick by passing the ball. You have to be um, really powerful to get through the opponent. Um, and it's a very, very physical sport. Um, so all the contact with the wheelchairs are allowed, but there's no physical contact within the players that are allowed, right? So um, there's two different types of chair that you can play with. You can play with an offensive chair, which is kind of more rounded um, and more agile. It's a little smaller than the defensive chair, so you, it, it can allow you to, to get through those defenders and get to that goal line, really, and get across. Um, the defensive chairs are, like I said, a little bit wider than the offensive ones. They're also adapted with a little pick bar um, right at the front of a chair, and that pick bar is kind of um, kind of helpful to help you to to block the other team from going past your team um, and try to hook the other chairs and all those kinds of things. You can kind of block them from getting into your end zone um, to score a point. Typically, the, the defensive chairs are, are played by um, lower pointers, um, and it's, it's a very, very physical sport. Um, you know, one of my good buddies that um, played that sport before um, said you hop on the chair, you put your gloves on, you put your pads on, and it's like going to war out there, right? It's it's so physical, it's so um, competitive, um, and you know you're gonna get hit, you're gonna get knocked out of your chair um, while you're trying to score, and it's it's very physical and a very tactical game, like I said. So it's a very fun and competitive sport. Now, with wheelchair basketball being pretty similar in terms of physicality and. Some of the equipment in terms of the chairs. Give us a little rundown about how the game of wheelchair basketball is played. Yeah, so like you say, wheelchair basketball is quite similar to um, stand-up basketball um, in, in terms of the rules, right? Um, it's still played five-on-five. Five. Um, all the other elements of the game, the basketball is the same side. The nets are still 10-foot high, right? So it's still the same kind of rules. There's just a few adapted rules that have been in place uh, for, for that sport. So the first one is really classification, right? Um, again, there's kind of a point system similar to rugby. Um, this time it's from 1 to 4.5 points. Again, the higher pointer points are the ones with the most ability, the most mobility on the court and all that. The lower points, again, are the ones with the least um, mobility on the court. Right? And you can't have more than 14 points on the court uh, at one point um, or another. So, And the other only different rule, if you want, uh, would be the, the travel in wheelchair basketball. Um, it's it's um, as soon as you do two or more push, as soon as, soon as you do two uh, more than two pushes with your chair, um, you, you push your wheels more than twice that's considered a, a travel in basketball. So you have to either pass the ball, shoot the ball, or dribble the ball once every um, every two pushes. Um, so those that, that's really the the um, 
the big rules, if you want. The other one would be uh, fouls. Um, you can't you can't hit from behind in wheelchair basketball. The chairs are a little higher, um, and therefore they're a little top heavy, if you want. Um, more than in rugby, obviously. So um, basically, if you if you hit the players um, behind the axle on the wheel, um, then then it's a, it's considered a foul, and then the player would go to the to the throwing line for for the free throw. So uh, in terms of basketball, though, it's it you know it's very very similar to to the real game, the stand up game, and um, you know it's it's still a very competitive sport and. Obviously, in, in New Brunswick, we've had so many, so many athletes that um, have been successful throughout um, the years with that sport. So we're very, very fortunate to have a really good program in New Brunswick, and we're we're going to keep going with with that as the years roll on here. We're joined by Simone Richard, program coordinator of Parasports New Brunswick. I'm joined by Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. I'm your host, Rock Richardson. Now, with sports kind of getting back up and running again, do you have any idea of when the sports in New Brunswick will will get back on the court? I mean, it's it's um, we're getting closer here. The the one issue that we've been having is is really the gym availability here in New Brunswick. Um, all the schools aren't taking any rentals for gyms, so so it's it's a little more tough on that side. But we're we're looking into into areas right now, and we we might have an, uh, a gym available with the community uh, open up here in a couple of weeks. So hopefully we can get back up and running within uh, two to four weeks here, and and see where we're at. But it's uh, you know we're we're on the up and up here, and we're excited about this season that um, is coming up here for for all three of those sports, and and looking forward to to helping out at our sports spread the province as well. Simone, just very quickly, for those who may want to get involved in this sport, can you give us a rundown as to how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we're, like you said, we're also looking all, all the time for participants, for volunteers, for coaching. Uh, so they can contact us uh, via our Facebook page or Instagram page, uh, Twitter. We're always super active there, as well as our website, uh, Pair Sport. Uh, nd.ca so they can look it up look us up there and uh, follow us on all of our social medias and uh, definitely get in touch with us if you want to participate come on come on out and you know we'll get you settled in in the chair and we're on the go ball court with the blindfold and we'll get you settled in and um, same thing if you want to volunteer and coach we're we're always looking for for new volunteers and coaches so that would be very very um, appreciated Simone, thank you so much for taking the time to join us yet again, and uh, we hope to have you on down the line. Thank you very much for your time. That was Simone Richard, Program Coordinator in New Brunswick for their Parasports. After the break, we're going to get into a conversation with Dave Stevenson Speaks. He's going to tell us his incredible story. Right after the break, here you're listening to The Neutral Zone. Stay with us. a message 
message for the neutral zone. Call now. 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I am your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. Well, this uh, conversation we are really looking forward to having. We're joined by Dave Stevens Speaks. Dave, welcome to the program, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's uh, awesome to be here. Hi, everybody up in Canada. Hello. Uh, to start off with, Dave, uh, we understand you were born without legs, but obviously, from what we've read, you haven't let that stop you. I was wondering if you could just start by telling us a bit w- about what it was like from your perspective growing up with a disability. Well, uh, the key is I, I never looked at it as a disability. I-, I didn't know any better. I was born this way, and I just kind of evolved. You know, I had to learn to crawl before I could learn to crawl. And I just kind of started propelling myself and moving around on my arms and climbing up on chairs and, you know, just living a normal kid's life, playing with kids, acting out, you know, uh, playing on skateboards and doing stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I always felt I was normal, and that's what I try to tell people when I talk and give presentations is this is my normal. You know, somebody with a – they call it a disability, but – I hate those terms because, you know, it's our normal. It's just what the hand that we're dealt with. I'm limb different. I was born without legs. You know, if you're blind, we're all put together, but we're all individuals. And I really think, you know, uh, hopefully we can change the terminology someday down the road. I completely agree with you, Dave. It's, uh, it's definitely different knowing yourself as a disability instead of uh, from the outside. When did you feel that spark for for sports? You've you've been an athlete for so long. When when did that fire start? Well, I started uh, probably around twelve or thirteen when I just I got tired of watching my friends go out and do these things, and I just had to kind of adapt. There was, you know, no book how to play sports without legs for dummies. So I just kind of had to evolve and, you know, play with ball and then suddenly switch it to a baseball and use a Nerf ball and then evolve to a football and just kind of feel my way out as I'm propelling myself on my arms and making up as, as I went along. But, uh, you know, it was always so it was always a challenge and I loved that challenge and I always loved if everybody was going to stare at me, I might as well give them a show. So that's kind of what my motto was. As Claire mentioned, you do have quite the resume of professional sports. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, it's it's almost embarrassing just because you throw it out there. And and as we talked earlier, when you use the term disabled or handicapped, if you look at my resume, uh, two-time state champion wrestling, high school football player, high school baseball player, tried out for the Olympic baseball team, played in the same outfit with Barry Bonds, went to college, became a college football player, also uh, had a trial with the Dallas Cowboys. Then played minor league baseball with the St. Paul Saints. He was teammates with Daryl Strawberry. Actually pinch hit for Daryl Strawberry. 
and then worked 20 years at ESPN. So it's like, and then you said, oh, by the way, he didn't have legs. And I think that's, you know, thank God I have video to go along with this. I'm very blessed that, yeah, I did this a long, long time ago, but it's all there. It's all, you know, I have that video proof because most people just wouldn't believe it. You're absolutely right. Um, we definitely face challenges with growing up with a disability, but can you tell us about the adversity you had to face in regards to being part of professional sports and how did you ever overcome that? Yeah, I mean, you know, you always have your naysayers. It started in high school when parents are like, well, how can this guy without legs be a starting right fielder when my kid has two legs, you know? And so I, I started getting that as I got good in wrestling. They were like, well, he's not wearing socks. I'm like, I have two little flippers. How am I supposed to wear socks? So you, you start to get that. And then, you know, when I played, you know, the opportunity to play professional baseball, you know, nobody has ever done it. There's never been a legless uh, minor league baseball player. I, I, I'm the only one, you know, just like I'm the only legless college football player. But, you, you start to get that, you know, uh, I think animosity like in college when I was playing and we weren't good. We were one and nine or two and ten and, and CBS, the network here in the United States, did a big story on me. And my teammates are like, why are they doing a story on you? You know, I'm like, well, you grow legs and, and you know, if I could grow legs, I would play quarterback. So, you know, you cut your legs off and you play football and we can make that trade. So you just have to have a tougher skin when people, you know, want to knock you down and put you down for something that they're either uncomfortable with or have never seen before. We're joined here by Dave Stevens Speaks. And you're listening to The Neutral Zone. I'm joined by Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. And I, of course, am your host, Brock Richardson. Now, Dave, you were with ESPN for over 20 years. I'm curious how that came about and what role you had over there. Well, you know, I had two dreams in high school when I first started. Uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to play professional baseball, and I wanted to work in television. Uh, I said replace Howard Cosell, which is an old-time guy. But, you know, I achieved those things. I got a job in television in Minnesota, got to be part of two World Series with the Twins. I wanted to be on air, and uh, I had this opportunity nine years with KSTP in Minnesota, and then ESPN heard of me and found out, you know, I was really good at doing interviews with athletes and people in Minnesota, so they said, hey, we can't put you on air, but would you like to work behind the scenes? And, you know, ESPN calls, you jump. So I went to ESPN in 1995 and worked 20 years there, won seven Emmys, uh, just an amazing career working, you know, on production uh, on Sports Center and Sunday NFL Countdown, and you know, becoming friends with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson and Dan Patrick, and I'm still buddies with Kenny Maine, and um, it, it was a great ride. It really was, uh, you know, in the heyday of ESPN, and just just a, a wonderful time of my life. Now, with such a deep history with ESPN, highlight some of your biggest uh coverings of sports that you were able to be a part of well i've been to uh you know and now as a reporter for the disability channel i've been to uh night i think 19 super bowls now i've been to four or five world series all-star games uh you know i've been able to cover sports at lambeau field 
uh, you know, all around, you know, all these amazing venues and, and get around and be around these players. And now that I'm a reporter for the Disability Channel, I get to interview guys like Gronk and, you know, uh, 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 Aaron Rodgers and some, some amazing names. So I, I am so blessed. Like, I wouldn't want to have been any other way. I know people think that might be weird. Oh, would you like to have legs or get bionic legs? I, I, I've lived this amazing Forrest Gimp life. Uh, you know, where I've had amazing things that people, you know, would only dream about if they had two legs. So I'm, I'm real happy with how my life has turned out, and now I get to motivate and inspire and talk to kids and tell people my story. Touching a little bit on that, you are working with the Dave Clark Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, more about that? Excuse me. Yes, uh, the Dave Clark Foundation, uh, we put on baseball camps around the country. They're called Disability Dream and Do, and we come in with minor league baseball teams, and the players work out with uh, uh, kids with, you know, severe limitations as far as, you know, wheelchairs or uh, true physical hold, you know, things that they could probably never, ever play uh, regular baseball. Um, so, but they come in. The minor leaguers work with them, and and it's been amazing over the past few years to be in Florida, New York, and you know, with major leaguers that are down on rehab assignments that we get to know, and then the minor leaguers that go up to the major leagues, and you know, getting to work with guys like Tim Tebow and just some amazing uh, people, and, and you know, and, and being able to give kids a, a very special day where you know they get to come out of their shell and they're not handicapped and they're not da- disabled; they're just baseball players. You also do public speaking for our friends north of the border. Can you tell people how you can get a hold of you to book some public speaking? Yeah, I mean, uh, right now it's tough to book anything here in the States to go in public, but I do do virtual things now, and uh, I I have uh, my own website. I have my own Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also have a, a TV show that has major stars and guests that come on, which is been a really fun uh, thing for me to do from home and uh, you can just google dave Stevens speaks and follow me on twitter instagram or facebook and uh yeah i just love to tell my stories it's very impactful for kids as far as trying to teach you know both bullying and inclusivity and all of the things that i've kind of gone through the full spectrum you know and also now that i'm a parent i'm a father of three boys 16 14 and 12 and that's been a, a fun challenge but one that i've taken head on and probably the biggest biggest challenge of my life, uh, you know, without having legs. So, you know, I'm, I just try to inspire and show people that you can do anything you put your mind to, just like you guys, you know, put together shows and inspiring and, and show, showing that there are so many amazing stories out there and a lot of hope, especially in times right now that are in uh, just disarray. If we can circle back to your pro sports days just for a moment, Dave, I'm curious what some of the reactions that some of the players we might have heard of had to seeing you play? Well, you know, I was teammates with uh, Daryl Strawberry and Jack Morris when uh, Straw was making his comeback, and it's an amazing story that I never realized. Daryl had just gone through rehab, and he'd been kicked out of baseball for drugs and all kinds of stuff, and he was getting one more chance in this independent league, so he was coming out. There was all kinds of media from New York and all around the world, and all of a sudden, that happened to be the time I had signed with them and was going to play. So I come out there, and all these New York media are like, 
here's this dude without legs, and whoop, all the cameras turn on me, and they're doing stories on me. And Daryl said he walked out there and saw me, and he was so inspired he was ready to quit and walk away. He just didn't have it anymore, and he saw me. And he was so inspired and motivated that he came out. We became friends. We've been friends to this day ever since. He's turned his life around. He's a minister. He's uh, helped set up rehab clinics. He's doing so well. So to make an impact on a professional athlete like that. And, you know, Joe Madden used to have me bring in, uh, he'd bring me down to Tampa, and I'd work out with the Tampa Rays, and I'd sit in the dugout for games, and there I am with Big Poppy and sitting up in the other dugout, and I'm, you know, hanging out with David Price and Evan Longoria, and these guys love to watch me in the batting cage because they've never seen, you know, a, a guy with no legs hitting with his upper arms, and they always wanted to pick my brain, and I'm like, no, I want to know about you, and, you know, what's a fastball like, and, you know, so, like I said, I've been so blessed, you know, to have this amazing life and, you know, be on shows like That's Incredible. And that's another crazy story. I was on a TV show in the United States in 1982, and there was this four-year-old golfer in the green room picking his nose, really obnoxious, but hitting golf balls, you know, crushing golf balls. That little kid turned out to be Tiger Woods. So we were on the same show together and the same thing. So, you know, like I said, I've had some amazing uh stories and things that have happened in my life i'm just blessed that's incredible so what's in store for you next what what is dave doing to uh keep going and and elevate well i've got this show thursday night 7 30 on dave steven speaks and it's also on the disability channel which is uh where i help them i do reporting and 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 uh shows and things for them and uh, I work uh, uh, for Nub Ability, which is another baseball uh, sports organization, NubAbility.org, and it's baseball, sports camps, football, basketball. They're, they're camps for kids that are missing arms and legs. They're limb-different kids that uh, are like me, like Jim Abbott, like Shaquem Griffin. Uh, just We are looking for those next kids, and, and it's a great opportunity to put 180 athletes together where nobody's staring at them because we're all the same. We're all limb-different. So it's one of the most impactful things that's ever happened in my life and uh, I'm so glad to be a part of it and yeah COVID has changed a lot of that but uh, I was just in St. Louis for a camp a couple weeks ago I actually saw Daryl Strawberry that weekend and uh, so we're just going to keep fighting and trying to do good things for kids and trying to you know show people that you know any of us that are thought of as disabled uh, you know we're not you know this is our normal. Dave, did you ever look back or have you looked back on your you know your career and and did you ever think that it would amount to to what it has given all the adversity you would have had to face to get where you are? Well, you know, I had some ups and downs in my life. You know, I lost my parents at an early age uh, to cancer, and I, you know, turned to drugs for about a year, uh, and, and, you know, I've been sober since uh, January of 87. So I've, I've had those ups and downs, but like I said, I had those goals at such an early age, and, and I've, you know, almost exceeded my expectations because at age 54, you know, last week I'm talking to Ryan Leaf. Two weeks ago I'm interviewing Rocky Blyer and Franco Harris, and I'm still, you know, doing it virtually, but I still can get people to, you know, 
you know, get on my show, and it's like it, it, it's so fun that you know you just you can never stop as long as you have those goals. You know, you can't keep you know you've got to keep fighting, and that's why during COVID, there's so many horrible things out there and deaths and you know politics down here that's just going crazy. It's 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 so tough, but I like to try to make people laugh. I like to try to be that elephant in the room that you can laugh at because if you can't make fun of yourself, you shouldn't make fun of others. So I do funny things, and if you watch my YouTube channel and my Instagram, I, I'll do crazy things and, and make fun of myself and poke fun of, you know, the obvious and, uh, you know, just try to show people that, hey, it is okay to laugh at yourself. Claire, go ahead. So with the ba uh, Major League Baseball playoffs uh, getting off to a start already, what's what are you looking forward to seeing? Is there anything that's catching your eye already? Well, as a Twins fan, uh, I've kind of my eyes are now blinded because they lost the 18th consecutive postseason game, which is now a record in any sport for any professional postseason team. So. I'm kind of pulling for the Padres. They pulled one out last night, but uh, it's such a weird season. It doesn't even seem real to me. It seems like it's almost like a PlayStation tournament. Uh, so I, I don't even know if I'm going to, in my mind, recognize it as a true World Series. But it would be nice to see a, a couple of the underdogs, like a San Diego win, or you know, uh, you know, get a Florida team to to to, to you know come up and, and do something. So. As long as it's entertaining, it's giving us, uh, you know, something to watch. But we have football, we have basketball, we have hockey. And, you know, we're oversaturated now with sports. So uh, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we at least we get a good series and not a sweep. Dave, uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this interview. When we were connected by uh, one of our other partners, Brett Wills, and he said, we have to have Dave on the show, and you uh, certainly came on and gave us lots of good information, so we really appreciate that. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, there's not enough good out there, and, and shows like this are what help people and inspire people and motivate them. So keep it up, and I appreciate uh, you guys having me. Thank you very much, and we'll have to get you on again in the near future. Ladies Anytime. and gentlemen, thank that you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dave Stevens Speak, who had an incredible story. We may start segment four by giving you a little bit of our feedback and also uh, moving towards the mainstream sports world. Hang in. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm joined by Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan. We've had an outstanding show today, uh, starting with Simone uh, for, from New Brunswick, uh, Parasports. Oh my goodness, I will get it out. And then Dave Steven Speaks gave us his story. So we've had a really great show today and a uh, little bit more to come. We're going to switch gears to the mainstream uh, sports world. Of course, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, let's talk about it. Claire, thoughts? I mean, I don't think we expected 
both games to kind of be that much of a blowout, but we saw we saw just a couple simple errors could change an entire baseball game around. So unfortunate, but the Blue Jays have a young squad, so they're just going to come back. It's we just got to look forward to next season. Absolutely, Josh. Thoughts? I think it's an example, and I hope we learn from this of take a stranglehold while you can get it. They decided to go with Matt Shoemaker in the first game. I don't disagree. He's a good pitcher. But when you've got an ace and when you've got a number two in Taiwan Walker, I think you got to play one of those two to start with and get that early lead and really kind of put your foot on the gas. I, I don't feel like they did that. And as Claire said, there were a couple of key mistakes that I think in the end cost them. I'm, I'm disappointed, and I, I did vote yes in the poll that I think it's a successful season, but I, I really had to think long and hard about it because I, I thought they were a better team than this. Yeah, I think for me what really stood out was the error that Bo Bichette made uh, right before the Grand Slam, which ultimately really uh, sealed the deal and I really, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've we've beat Charlie Montoyo to death, but I really <laughs> am not sure whether this manager is the right guy for this team. And there's so much talent, but after he took out Matt Shoemaker, I just kind of went, huh? Like, he was dealing, and although I understand it was, it was analytics and he just came off of injury and all, I get that, but I just find that Charlie Montoyo is so analytic-focused that he's not using his eyes to say what I'm looking at and what he was looking at or should have been looking at was, wow, he's dealing, Claire. I agree with you. Uh, the coaching all season hasn't been, hasn't been great. Um, I agree with you that he, he, he's making wrong decisions because he's looking at stuff that's on paper instead of the game that's right in front of his eyes. And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow when your coach is, is not focused on what's actually happening. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, exactly. I just, I understand using stats to your advantage, and they do provide an advantage when used properly, but there is such a thing as a baseball IQ or a baseball eye, and while I won't go as far as saying that it's Montoyo's fault, because at the end of the day, the players still have to play the game, I, I do think there's there's reason to be concerned, and my my opinion is slowly changing as we've gone through this season, as I've seen more and more. Yeah, I want to uh, focus on the playoffs as they're happening now, but I think we're going to have lots of time over the coming months to discuss the Toronto Blue Jays, and we'll see what happens uh, with them moving forward. But there is a lot to to think about if you are management. Uh, having said that, here's uh, what we know now is that the uh, – Tampa Bay Rays will play the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros will play the Oakland A's in the uh, other division. It is the L.A. Dodgers versus the San Diego Padres or the St. Louis Cardinals. We also have the Atlanta Braves versus either the Miami Marlins or the Chicago Cubs. And 
And that is it. So there's still some stuff to be decided. Claire, I know you're looking forward to one series, especially in the American League. Yeah, I I mean, in the past watching baseball, I've kind of been one of those people that are like, man, I hate the Yankees. But uh, I think this is going to be a great series with uh, they got the power behind their bats and Tampa Bay has the power in their pitching. It's I think it's going to be a it's a power filled game. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, and they both teams uh, spent a lot of money uh, in in pitching, and and Tampa Bay, of course, more developing than spending money. But uh, Garrett Cole, who makes like something like a couple million dollars per start, he's going to be, um, uh, you know, a linchpin in what happens there. Josh, what are you looking forward to in this next round? In this next round, I will really be curious to see how the Dodgers do. They perennially seem to be a powerhouse team, but I don't know until very recently, they just don't seem to have had it Uh, last year. I know they did much, much better and I hope that continues for them, but we'll, we'll see what happens at the end of the day. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of stuff around the Dodgers. They spend a lot of money and they, you know, kind of cruise through the uh, season and then they get to the playoffs and they don't do as well albeit they did uh, sweep their series and took the first two but it's going to get tougher as uh, time goes on so we'll see uh, whether they play the uh, Miami Marlins or the Chicago Cubs and again this game is going on uh, as we speak Uh, so we might have a winner there or we'll see but uh, lots of good stuff coming out of Major League Baseball. I want to talk just briefly about the NBA final. Uh, Claire mentioned it uh, in the uh, headlines that the uh, LA Lakers really had a dominating performance. Josh, I'll give you the first go on this one. Is there any chance that the Miami Heat battle back? It's looking less and less likely to me. As we were on the air earlier today um, in the show, I should say, I noticed something come across the the Sportsnet app saying that Adebayo is definitely out for Game 2. I know they have other injuries as well. If you don't have some of your linchpins and some of your big players to go against LeBron and Anthony Davis and even Rajon Rondo, you're going to have problems. If the Lakers don't sweep, I honestly will be surprised. Ooh, that's a, that's a big thing for an NBA final. Claire, 30 seconds on the NBA final. Thoughts? I mean, I'd have to agree, but also uh, I don't want to count anybody out. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, the Clippers, we saw what happened there, and so I don't want to count anyone out, but I, I thoroughly agree that it's, it's not going to be a long series. Yeah, it's uh, it's looking less and less likely, as Josh said. And, and again, when you have uh, big injuries to Iguodala and Adebayo, that's, that's two big guys that Miami needs. Jimmy Butler is really good, obviously, but uh, when you don't have your full cast of characters, it can be a bit of a thing. Game 2 goes tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. And just to give you a little bit of a uh, spoiler alert, and if you are recording the game, plug your ears, but the uh, Miami Marlins are winning 2 to nothing in the 
top of the eighth inning, which would mean if they were to win, they would move on. So lots happening in the world of sports. And we will, of course, keep you posted on everything. That is it for our show. I'd like to thank Claire Buchanan, Josh Watson. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen. And, of course, our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend and be safe. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.